I'm not saying you, you, you know, you make a friend in the lunchroom day one and two hours later you're having a crucial conversation. You know what I'm saying? But eventually you will, right? It, welcome to marriage. You, you get married, you will find yourself in a spot where you got to have tough conversations. If you do them and you have them well, you become stronger. You're willing to take on more difficult topics and that leads to a deeper level of friendship and intimacy, which is what all of us want. Um, and so when we can do that well in these kind of conversations, even though there's a lot at stake, and you will lose friends. I mean, we just be honest. You will lose friends. Some friends are not going to want to have those kind of conversations. But I would argue you were going to lose those friends anyway. There was going to come a day where you were going to get tired of their crap or they were going to get tired of yours. And instead of dealing with it, you find new friends. And I can see this in our culture where they're, you know, people will work through friendships every three, four, or five years. And it's because we're not willing to have the difficult conversation. But if you do, it's so good. And I know the people in my life that I'm really close with, the reason why they're close is because they have done this with me and I've done that with them. Hey everyone, welcome to Unscripted, a Rocky Church podcast where we talk about faith when Sunday is over. My name is Nick and I'm pumped you're here. Well, welcome to episode four. Today, we sit down with Matt Cody and Amanda Rohrbaugh, and we talk about a, a message that Matt gave this past Sunday. We're talking about crucial conversations, difficult conversations that we need to have with people in our life that are really important to us. We like to believe that relationships can be easy and we don't run into any bumps, and that's just not the case. Everyone has situations that they need to work through, and we are going to get very, very practical today. This is going to be incredibly helpful and personal. Matt and Amanda open up about things that they have had to grow in, they've had to to learn through, and they get vulnerable about their life. So sit back. I think you're really going to enjoy this, and I think we're going to learn a lot. Let's dive in. Well, guys, it's good to sit down with you once again. This is going to be episode four. Can you believe it? Episode four. I've been here for all of them. You have been. Mm-hmm. Not next week. <laughs> We're kicking you out next week. Yeah. Matt, you're not invited next yeah. week. Welcome back, Amanda. Hey, Thanks. this is, this is what's cool about today's conversation. Today's the first episode where we're taking something that we talked about on Sunday and we're elaborating. We're, we're kind of digging into a little bit more. So, Matt, you taught this last Sunday. and you, This whole series that we just started, we're talking about different stories and, and David, uh, King David of the Bible, different stories of, of his life, but maybe some stories that, that people don't. They're not as familiar with. Right. And so this week you talked about um, something that we can all relate to, and that's difficult conversations or what you called crucial, crucial, crucial yeah. conversations. So maybe we could start off by you saying, like, define that. Like, can you, can you help us understand what is a crucial conversation? It's hard for me to say crucial, yeah. crucial, <laughs> crucial, <laughs> crucial conversations. Yeah, I think... Um, maybe a light definition. It's just these conversations that demand a little bit more. Um, you got to really think about them, right? There, there's something at stake here. Mm. This conversation could go bad. I hope it doesn't. I want to go well. So there's a responsibility for the person who's making the approach. There's responsibility for the person receiving whatever, you know, is the info they're getting. Um, it's those conversations that um, vulnerability mm-hmm. is higher which makes it feel risky. We don't know how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. It's the conversations and for me that, I'm, that I go, I know I should have this talk with this person, but I don't want to. <laughs> because There's I, something in you saying this is not going to go well. Right. Or it may, at the very least, it could maybe not go well. That's right. Usually it's centered around a confrontation or around a topic that you know th- th- this isn't an easy topic to talk about. might even be personal, mm-hmm. right, with a friend or a spouse. Um which is why I say it. I, I would call it crucial because I think we fall into the trap. If I, if I don't have it, it's fine. I think that's a trap. Mm. Um, it's crucial, meaning you need to have it for health, um, you know, for, you know, for whatever. Cause it, you know, there's going to be more times in the future that are going to be hard topics. Mm-hmm. Well, it's relational equity yes. too, I think, right? That's a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you have Talk it. about that more. Well, you have a conversation, a crucial conversation, because it matters. I mean, you have relationship with this person, and yeah. 
relational equity. It's like yeah. it matters. It needs to matter. We're going to continue in this mm-hmm. relationship. And if we don't, it's going to change our relationship. Yeah, almost like a hinge hinge point. Like this relationship is going to hinge around this conversation yeah. potentially. If If done in a healthy way, it does make it easier the next time. And the relationship does become stronger. Mm-hmm. It can handle more, you know, more difficult topics, more difficult conversations. So you you used a story from David's life that that may be familiar to some people, mm-hmm. but can you give us a? Both you guys can chip <laughs> in here, uh, like a thirty second synopsis. This is King David, and he runs into some trouble. Yeah, thirty seconds. Did King, I say thirty? You said thirty, not sixty. Go, Matt. Okay. You, okay. So you have uh, you have King David. <laughs> Uh, he should be at war, but he's not. He's back at the palace. He can't sleep one night. Sees a woman bathing. He's intrigued. Finds out who she is. Invites her to, you know, his place. They sleep together. She gets pregnant. Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done it. Her husband's at war. David invites him back, trying to get him to sleep with his wife to do get the cover-up all done. He refuses to sleep with his wife because he's a righteous guy. Can't do it when his men are at battle. So then David says, that's fine. Goes to plan B. Essentially, he writes his general and says, put this guy, his name is Uriah, put him in the front of the battle and then pull away, let him die. He does it. Uriah dies. And then um, he marries Bathsheba, mm-hmm. his wife. So uh, invites her, says, hey, be my wife. They get married. And then really what it was, Second Samuel chapter 12, is when God calls Nathan, who's really David's friend, says, I want you to go and have this, what I would call a crucial conversation with David. Really defining moment. Uh, I mean, he's in his 50s at this point, but a defining moment for him in his life, mm-hmm. yeah, to confront him about what he's done. So you talked about, it's easy to read the Bible and, and just kind of, I don't know, it's a story, it's an allegory, whatever, you don't put yourself in the shoes of the people. Right. But why was this such a difficult conversation? Like, what was at stake for Nathan and, and yeah. David? Yeah, I made one of the points, because David's king. That's one of the things here. He He's... He's going so far down the wrong road, and the reason why he's able to do it is because he's a king. Mm-hmm. Um, when the king, that's right. When king, when the king tells you to do something, you do it. I didn't get into this, but I think there is another. Um, just in some of my own study, when you, when you look at Bathsheba and David, a lot of times we'll say king. You know, he committed adultery. Mm-hmm. It's more like he probably raped her. Wow. I mean, I don't think she wants to have sex with him. But he's the king. But he's the king. And so she, she feels can't like she doesn't have a choice. That's right. Because oh. she's still mourning her husband's death at the end of the chapter. And she doesn't want this. Mm-hmm. But when the king, mm-hmm. you know, she's probably even going to the palace when, he, when she summons him. She doesn't even know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So he makes a bad call there. Nobody can say anything because he's king. He's going to make a bad call again with his general to have your eye killed. Nobody says it. You just do what the king tells you to do. So when you're going to go talk to the most powerful person, potentially, that you know, mm-hmm. and tell them you messed up. He has all the right and authority as a king to go, I don't like what you said, and so you're going to spend the rest, rest of your life in jail. We're going to cut your head off. Like, he can do yeah. whatever he wants. Yeah. So there is extreme risk for Nathan. Mm-hmm. But I made the point, like, but when God's telling you to go talk to him, you go talk to him because God trumps the king. Mm-hmm. And it's even it's interesting, even... You know, back when, you know, Israel's saying, we need a king, we need a king, we need a king. God's going, you don't need a king. And he talks about this moment, like, he goes, you don't need a king because this is what happens when you get a king. Mm-hmm. You, do, you, get, you get somebody who, who thinks that they're above it all. I'll and, go back to the, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. And this is one of those moments, which makes it crucial for Nathan. It's also crucial for David. This left un, unattended to. I mean, it had severe consequences even after this, but I think they would be far greater left untouched. Right. So yeah. it's, a, it's crucial for both. Interestingly, too, I was just going to say, who does God use, right? Nathan as his friend. Yeah. Right? And so going back to that relational equity piece. Yeah. You use the people who have the influence in your life, who have the ability to speak to you. Mm. Yeah. You think about, too, like there's other people that could have had a conversation earlier in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they didn't. So it's falling on, on Nathan, uh, who's probably feeling like, why didn't someone else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why has yeah. it got to be me yeah. that has to have a tough conversation? Uh, most of the, uh, I didn't get into the research of it, but a lot of biblical historians will say there's actually nine months between when David does this and when he's confronted. So mm-hmm. he had time to come to, like, 
to confess himself. Yeah, to make it right. That's right. And he didn't do it. I mean, he's ri- he wrote some psalms in this period of time um, where he's, like, talking about he's just feeling crushed. Like, he feels it. He mm-hmm. knows it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's also that. I Which gotta, we usually do. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you he, feel you have yeah, the guilt, we know the shame. it before yeah. somebody tells us. But mm-hmm. because he's the king, he was able to, you know, for himself, cover it up. Um, but obviously God knew, and, yeah, God wasn't going to let him stay in that, so... Okay, so that's from David's perspective, the, the the guilty party that needs to be confronted. And and going back, stepping into Nathan's shoes. So for us, how do we know when there's that tipping point of this conversation needs to happen? I need to have this crucial conversation. You spoke to a little bit before, but I don't know if there was something that you guys didn't say. Yeah. I would say, I mean, for me personally, when I feel like I need to have a crucial conversation, not only is it like, hey, relationally, this needs to be repaired, but I think anytime I have a tendency to want to have a conversation with someone else other than that person, you know That's what I'm good. saying? Like, yeah. I, I want to go talk about this with somebody else because I'm uncomfortable. I want to sort through it. It's like, no, this is where a crucial conversation needs to happen with that person. So it's when you're actually tempted to go yeah. gossip or something like that. Yeah, or work it out in some way. That's a red way. flag. Yeah, it's like there's tension in this relationship. There's tension in this conversation. It needs to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it probably, it needs to be with the correct person. Yeah. And we have a tendency to want to, we want to do that with someone else because it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. For me, I'd say, I know it when I see you that we're not good. I know we're not good. And so then I have a tendency, either I'm avoiding, right? Or I'm, I'm treating you in an environment differently than I normally would. So for both of you, it, it's, it's relational. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. For Something's sure. not right. Something's right. not right. And. Yeah, and so now I'm 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 trying to you know I can even be like well, I'm gonna try to interact with them in such a way that they don't know, but we all know something's mm-hmm. not exactly right, and for me that's always a the trigger point. Like I'll ask myself if I ran into this person in the grocery store, what would I do? That's a good way for me to say we're either we're good or we're not good, and if we're not good, then I would need a conversation. Yep, Amanda, you you talking about when you you feel that urge to go talk to someone else, someone. Uh, at some point in my life talked about how gossip is one of these counterfeits of actually doing the right thing and having a tough conversation. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, you want to get it off your chest. That's good. The right thing to do would be to talk to the the person you have an issue with and get it off your chest. Right. But you want to get it off your chest, but it's easier to go to this third party and I get it all out and they agree with me or whatever. And it feels good, but nothing is actually been accomplished no you're creating an ally yeah basically you're wanting someone on your side a lot of times I think Matt talked about this in his sermon on Sunday and we talk about this on staff a lot right this is why we say have the conversation not the meeting after the meeting mm-hmm. right and we're more comfortable in the meeting after the meeting like we're gonna get in a room we're gonna talk about this then we're gonna huddle up with the people who we know are gonna be on our side mm-hmm. and we're gonna have a side conversation because it's easier than telling Matt hey I didn't like what you said in that meeting and what's funny is it it it's an attempt for us to gain an upper hand maybe and have more power next time, but it, it, it does the opposite. Oh, for sure. Yeah. This is the responsibility of the person who's like maybe initiating the conversation. This is the approach piece, right? When Nathan approaches David, he approaches David, I think for two reasons. One, God told him to, but two, he loves David. Mm. So he has mm-hmm. David's best interest in mind. I think when I, like you're not ready for a crucial conversation if you're willing to go. Like if I have an issue with you and I go talk to Amanda, I, dude, I don't love you. Mm-hmm. If I loved you, I would come and talk to you, mm-hmm. right? I, if I'm gonna go get an ally, we're, we're I'm getting ready for battle. My motive is is not the right one. Yeah. And so, again, it's I'm not ready for a conversation. I, I know I'm ready for a conversation. I'm going. You know what? I care about Nick. You got another tattoo. That's too many tattoos. And you talk to him <laughs> about it. So I'm going to, I love him. And, and someone go, so again, my approach is going to be so different. This is when we talked about earlier in that message of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. People live so far in the extremes. Their approaches are so bad. That, okay. That I'm crack that I, more. Yeah. I just, the grace and truth. So, so there are two extremes. Mm-hmm. Grace and truth is something we talk about Iraqi quite a bit. Yeah. So there's a gray side and there's a true side, these extremes. So can you talk about that? I think the extreme of grace is we never have crucial conversations. We just kind of let everything go. Right. Right. As, and and, so, and I, I made the statement, um, grace only 
is grace when tr- when truth exists. Mm-hmm. When there's something that's true that's that is being affected, um, you know, grace can come into play. Um, so when, but I think people live on the extremes of grace and they never, uh, I let it go. I let it go. I don't, I don't want to stir the pot. I just mm-hmm. let it be. Hopefully won't do it again. Da, 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, and so you have people who should have had conversations 20 years ago, but never did. Mm-hmm. Then you have people with truth. They're just, you know, they feel like God's given them the gift of just confrontation. And my job is to call out every sin in your life. But the approach is so bad. The tactics, the confrontation. Yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> you know, the tact is so bad. It's mm-hmm. almost like, well, someone had to say it, so I said it. I've been there. But you didn't say it because you cared about the person. You said it because you wanted to be right. Yeah. Yes. That's not a crucial conversation. That's a battle. Okay. That's, so Amanda, That's you winning. You Amanda, know? you're saying, is that kind of your side? Is that where you oh, live? Your yes. truth. I'm way truth, and believe it or not, you <laughs> have guys have always been that way. You guys are both sitting in the room with me, and you're going to be like, "I don't know that you've grown that much in that," but <laughs> I have a what? ton. But all but this goes back like you're like even when you're like younger, always been on that. Okay, always been on that. Went through a time probably where just a time in my life with different chaos and craziness, not allowed to live in that truth place. So not allowed to live in the grace either. Never lived in the grace really but you just don't speak truth because you just don't speak. And so, yeah, but definitely truth. I mean, what did I say today? We were talking about something and I was like, yeah, I think um, when I tell D, yeah, you're right. He's like, how'd that feel like coming out of your mouth? Like vinegar? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> D's your husband for those. Yeah, yeah. D, yeah. Th- those know. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, I want to be right. And sometimes I can get caught in that. I want to tell you the truth for the sake of being right, not tell you the truth for the sake of loving you well or mm-hmm. getting to a spot. I've grown a ton in that for sure and realized like my approach in getting to the truth was super hurtful before. Mm. Just, yeah, you need to know this and nobody's going to tell you. And so I'm going to tell you. Yeah. But I think even my kids growing up, I would tell them the world is a harsh place and they're going to tell you the truth. So I'm going to tell you the truth first, yeah. right? That shirt's ugly. Some yeah. kid's going to tell you that at school. So let me just tell you that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't know that you need to say that, mom. That's, that's harsh. <laughs> Okay, Matt, so what, if, if there's a spectrum, that's the word I was trying to think of earlier, spectrum. spectrum. If there's a spectrum of grace and truth, where do you most naturally live? I'm truth. True, two truths? Yeah. And truth that's people in here. Probably a lot of our personalities a little bit and just background, you know, experiences we've had growing up. I, I'm definitely more truth and I've, I'm also an Enneagram 8. We talk a lot about Enneagram numbers around mm-hmm. here. We find those very helpful I can... So just in case people... The eight is a challenger, right? A challenger. Okay. Yeah, which would fit with the truth side. Yeah. We we are big on justice. We we want... Mm-hmm. We, we'll fight for things that we believe are right. Um, we'll, we, we get really passionate about fighting people who don't have people to fight for them. Like, so we, we like to go challenge. You know, game on. We get excited about it. Um, I can... I know that the grace part can be a blind spot for me. I know that about me mm-hmm. because people have come and had given me some feedback or I can walk out of meetings sometimes and think that was a great meeting. We got a lot done and I, I'm, I'm really encouraged by, you know, the vibe of the room only to get a phone call 30 minutes later, somebody's crying yeah. and I am devastated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, and it's, you know, I, when you said this and it, you know, and it's tone and it's, you know, posture and all that kind of stuff. So I know I have that in me. I would prefer to have a 30-second conversation, not a 30-minute conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can be yes. quick and direct and firm. And sometimes I think I'm being very cautious and loving and graceful, and it's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm definitely on the true side. So, Amanda, how have you uh, – because I witness, yeah, you do speak truth, but I do think you're balanced. So how have you found your way more towards the middle of that spectrum where – there is more grace in the truth that you're giving. Yeah, I think I began to realize that although I felt like speaking the truth, like that's what I need to do. I'm called to do that. God wired me that way for a reason. And I think there's value in that for sure. Um, But I actually lost influence by speaking truth too heavily and not learning to add grace into that. It's like, you're just so truth. Like we're not listening to you anymore. Mm. It's too heavy on one side. And so for me, it was just, hey, if you want to have influence, if you want to be a leader, you're going to have to learn to balance those two things out because people have to know 
you're for them. You have the right intentions. I love you. This is why I'm telling you this. And I truly have to show that. I can't just say I love you, but not show that to them. So I think that was the defining moments for me of people coming and saying, like, I, I'm not listening to you anyway. So whatever mm-hmm. truth you're speaking is losing value and influence. Mm. Yeah. Uh, one of the measures I'll say to people is when you have a crucial conversation, um, no matter what side you're on, you should be able to walk away from the conversation and go, you know, so if it was me and you, Nick, if we were having, you know, yeah. a crucial conversation, we, you should be able to walk away and even go, I don't even know if I like what he said, but man, he loves me. Mm. I know he loves me. Like that has to be in there. And I think that's that grace part. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm on the hook still for how I deliver truth. And even Nathan, he does it through telling a story, right? I mean, he, he's got a great approach um, because he, he wants David to get it. He wants David to understand. And if my motive is, man, I really want Nick to understand because what I'm saying, I really think it's important for Nick to hear. Then I want to present in such a way that when Nick walks away, even if he doesn't, he can go, man, Matt loves me. And I think that's the piece we, as truth people, mm-hmm. that's what we miss. We walk away and go, Boom, got him. So, so from my perspective, so I'm more on the gray side. Yeah. And uh, so what I might experience is I, I go into a conversation that's difficult and I fill it with a lot of affirmation. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love you. You're the best. I, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. sneak in some truth there, but even almost immediately like, but it's no big deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then I think people walk away with like, that was a that was a, a delightful conversation, right? But there's there's no clarity on is it, am I supposed to change anything? Right? Was there was there anything that uh, Nick was calling me out on? They don't know that, right? So nothing changes, right? So if I'm a leader in this person's life, or if I, if I just have influence with this person, I actually don't have it. I'm not influencing them, right? So you're saying, Same Amanda, thing, but yeah, on the other side, exactly. So yeah. it, both ways were not working, right? You, you think of it like this. If you want to be better, this is one of the arguments I was making. If you want to be better, like Nick, you have so many different roles in life. You're, you're a husband. You're a father. You, you know, you, you've got a job. You're a leader. You oversee, you know, people. You're the best. Keep Everybody him, loves keep you. Keep him coming. Um, keep him coming. He likes that affirmation. Like, if you want to be better in any of those roles, there, it's going to be uncomfortable to do that. For sure. Right? I mean... And I think that's one of the things around here in our culture, especially some of the tough conversations, even with our younger people, I'm saying, if you work here, it will be uncomfortable because we want you to be the best you can be. I would hope that Sean, who I report to, our lead pastor, would be willing to have uncomfortable conversations with me for my benefit, you know, for my good. Yeah. I hope he does it in a way that is very warm in his approach. But, you know, if he doesn't, then I don't ever get better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then it goes, you know, this is a question with grace people sometimes. Do they really care about me? When they don't have the conversation and then it comes out, the question would be, why didn't you talk to me? Right. Right? That's the opposite part of that. If you cared about me, you should have talked about me. Yeah. Or should have talked with me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that's the tension that people that land more with grace is, you know, I, I, I love you, it's good, da, 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 and they throw one little thing in, but... You're right. If it doesn't bring about a bigger conversation, then are you really for me? Right. If you're really for me, then you should have told me that. Mm-hmm. You see that in work environments when you're not willing to have crucial conversations and then you come to a conclusion, we got to fire that person and you sit down and then you tell them and they have no idea why they're being fired. Yeah. Right. It's probably because the culture yeah. is too much grace. So speaking right? into that, if I lean too much on the grace side, don't give any truth, don't help people change. It's basically I'm giving up on them. I think so, yes. Yeah, it's like, you know what? You're fine. Uh, you don't need to improve. Don't need to make any... And, and I'm going to figure out how to do my job without you. Right. In, in, in a work setting. Yeah. So that is not loving at all. No. But, okay, here's the thing. Yes, on the person who's making the approach, there's also a great responsibility for the person receiving the feedback. And, and you that, talked about that on And Sunday. that was the other point. David gets it right because he receives the feedback and he makes the correction. So there's a responsibility for us. Like we've got to be willing to receive feedback and we just live in the culture today that we don't, we don't want it. Right. And if you could get, I gave this challenge to young people in the room. Like, man, if you went home and sat down with mom and dad and were like, Hey, give me some feedback about how I could be better. 
they would be blown away. They'd give you whatever you want. Like, and if you could keep that posture of, hey, give me feedback, give me feedback. I want to get better. I want to get better. You make it easier for the people around you to make that approach. If, you, if you're defensive, right, if you've got someone in your team that you're leading, they're always defensive, it becomes mm-hmm. that much harder, mm-hmm. especially for somebody who's probably more grace, needs more grace to engage in that because you know what's coming. Oh, geez, this is going to be a two-hour conversation. Because they're going to have every excuse in the world, right? Nathan confronts David. David goes, well, let me tell you why I did it. Because da 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 all these excuses. Mm-hmm. There's a responsibility for us with people who are making approaches um, to have crucial conversations and say, you know what? I may not understand it. It might be a blind spot. But I'm going to listen because I know they care about me. And I'm going to wrestle with this. And hopefully we can be wise enough to know, like, this is what we need to be better. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Going back a little bit, Nathan has to confront David. So going into the real world, how would you guys recommend having difficult conversations when the stakes are high? I'm talking about someone listening needs to say something to their boss. They need to say something to their spouse. Uh, They can't just walk away from this, right? They can't just brush this off. Are there any practical tips that you you guys would offer to say, this is how you have a, a difficult conversation? Yeah, I've had a few. (laughs) (laughs) I think first thing you got to slow down you got to slow down and which isn't easy for us when you're a truth teller yeah it's not not easy easy. yeah it is what it is so I'm just gonna tell you yes yeah then that's a good point I'm speaking from somebody who's from a truth side what I've learned is I got to slow down and vulnerability's got to go up I got to slow down and vulnerability's got to go up I I will acknowledge it right away hey Nick can we I need to chat with you. I just want you to know. I, I can. I, I'll even be honest with you. I might be. I'm a little nervous about this conversation. I've been thinking about this, and I want you to know the reason why I want to talk to you is because you know X, Y, and Z. Man, I care about you. Our friendship is important to me. It's really important to me. And um, but I, I need to chat with you about a meeting we had the other day because when you called me a poo poo face, <laughs> see you're laughing. Yeah, it, it hurt my feelings. Right. So but I'm just, just wasn't expecting you to go there. <laughs> right. But I, you know, I think when I'm the, when I'm the one sometimes giving the, fee- like the feedback to, I'll say, Hey, this is going to be a difficult conversation. But again, I'm, my pace is slow. I'm not elevated. Um, I, I want to control that. Like, I want you to know I'm here because I love you and I care about you. Um, and so for me, it's, I'm slowing down. I'm choosing my words wisely, but I am letting you know, this is a tough one. Mm-hmm. Am I, and even sometimes when I have those kind of conversations, you know, with, with Sean, you know, he's my supervisor. He's also my friend. And there's sometimes we have conversations that are uncomfortable. I just tell him, hey, I'm, I'm going to have this conversation with you and I'm uncomfortable. Um, but this relationship means so much to me. I'm willing to have it. And mm-hmm. so let's talk about it. Yeah. It, I'm not attacking, right? I'm letting, I'm letting him know. I'm, I'm here for us. Not just me. Like, my, this relationship is such a big deal to me that I'm willing to fight for it. I, whatever this issue is, I'm not willing for it to come between us. So let's talk about it. And, um, and so I've done a lot of work in that, even, you know, with my wife, with my kids, in my approach. I want to create this environment that it feels safe. Even though what we're talking about is uncomfortable, it feels safe that that dad or, you know, my husband or my coworker, wow, they, they trust me to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what. Yeah. I, I think say. for me, it, it's along the same lines when you're a, a truth teller and you're lean towards that, you want to move fast. I also, I've been accused of liking conflict. Um, I don't actually like conflict. I like conflict because the result, it, there's a resolution at the end of it. But I think for me, I'll, I'll move fast. So I've had to learn to stop. I don't need to have the conversation right away where it used to be, hey, there's an issue. I need to have a conversation. We're having it now. So I'm not stopping and thinking it through it. Yeah. I'm not thinking how the other person on the other side is going to feel. Who are they? What Enneagram number are they? How are they going to take this? Do they need more affirmation? How am I going to approach this? So I've had to stop and be like, think about all those things. All those things come into play, mm-hmm. which lends to a better conversation, a healthier conversation. People knowing at the end of it, like, I, I'm loved. You're for me. Yeah. Yeah. So on the other side, I need to be careful not to slow down too much and delay, delay, delay. Right. 
And when I know there's a conversation that needs to happen, I need to make sure it's like, let's have this conversation before it's too late. Right. Or before I've now made a list. Hey, you've done this five times. Why are we talking about it in the fifth time? Why didn't we right. talk about it in the first time? Right. And the other thing for me that it's helpful, Sean mentioned this um, in a coaching conversation they have with me a while back. <laughs> and uh, I think I told him, hey, I've got to call this person. It's, it's not going to go well. I'm not looking forward to it. And he said, do this. Assume the conversation is going to go great. Right. Yeah. And for me, that actually, because I, I think what it ended up changing was the tone I had with the person was more positive. It wasn't this like, hey, you're going to hate this. Um, it's going to be bad. All this. It was a much more positive uh, approach. And uh, I would say nine times out of 10, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be because I blew it up into something mm-hmm. bigger than it actually is. Obviously, that's not the case every scenario. And like you said, there's times when you need to say, hey, this is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's gauging what the conversation really needs to be. Right. Yeah. Anything else you did? No, I'm with you. Okay. I, d- just a thought. It, it kind of is with that. But when, you know, we, we talk a lot about here. One, one of the reasons why one of our values is just say it, just idea like we're going to be okay having these kind of conversations is because we want a really healthy team. And I think what you'll find too, you, you can kind of assess your own life. Just look at the last 20 years. Think about the relationships that you've had in your life. How many people have come and gone? And my guess is the ones who have come and gone is because they're – there either was or wasn't a crucial conversation that went how it should. The people in my life that I've been friends with for a long time, we have figured out how to do this well. Um, because I just know with my personality, I don't want to have a bunch of fake friendships. I also know that when life gets real, the fake friendships don't hold up. So that's an important point. Because I think we like to assume that relationships are good if you never have any conflict. Yeah, <laughs> That's what we're raised to. I mean, yeah. typically, right? That's yep. what people say. That's the indicator of a good relationship. And, and that's, but that's that, just not true. Yeah, no. and that's that relational equity. I love that, what Amanda said. That's what you need moving forward. you got to be building that equity up. I'm not saying you, 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 know, you make a friend in the lunchroom day one, and two hours later you're having a crucial conversation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but eventually you will, yeah. right? It, welcome to marriage. You, right. you get married, you will find yourself in a spot where you got to have tough conversations. If you do them and you have them well, you become stronger. You're willing to take on more difficult topics, and that leads to a deeper level of friendship and intimacy, which is what all of us want. Um, and so when we can do that well in these kind of conversations, even though there's a lot at stake, and you will lose friends. I mean, we we'll just be honest. Yes. You will lose friends. Some friends are not going to want to have those kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. But I would argue you are going to lose those friends anyway. There was going to come a day where you are going to get tired of their crap or they are going to get tired of yours. And instead of dealing with it, you find new friends. And I can see this in our culture where they're, you know, people will work through friendships every three, four, or five years. And it's because we're not willing to have the difficult conversation. But if you do, it's so good. Mm-hmm. And I know the people in my life that I'm really close with, the reason why they're close is because they have done this with me and I've done that with them. And it's an, it's an awesome thing. It's still not fun. Yeah. And there's still something inside of me that if somebody around me would wound me, go, I, you know, there's something in me that goes, don't do it. Don't tell them. Mm-hmm. Don't share it. It's not worth it. I'm, and I have to remind myself, like, no, it is. It is. And I can trust them with it. And we can have this conversation. So how do you guys, we talked a, a little bit about it before. How do you receive feedback? <laughs> It's funny. I, w- I was gonna. I was hoping you'd ask yeah. that question, only because I want to know what you two would say too. No, and no, how no, you no. I feedback. ask the questions around here, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm thinking about. I mean, that could be from from anybody, but I think about from spouses. I even think of from kids. Like, how do we receive feedback from our kids? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I, it, I, you can answer that any any one of those that you want to answer. I don't think I. I definitely didn't used to receive feedback. Worse than I don't receive feedback well now. Does that even make sense? Like it's bad, but it was really bad. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was really bad before. No, I don't like it. I mean, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I, I told you I like to win. I'm competitive. I like to be right. Um, I sound like <laughs> not a fun person. Um, so, no, it's not easy. It's not easy to receive feedback and to sit in that. I think as somebody who speaks truth, it's easier to sit in the seat of speaking than to sit in the seat of listening. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's something that I constantly have to remind myself, like shut your mouth, listen, receive. I'm going to use that. Shut <laughs> your mouth. <laughs> no, 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 it's for you. You don't oh, tell yeah, right, other people. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So I have a funny story with uh, Amanda. Yeah, go ahead. I can see Nick. <laughs> he's, he's got that look Listen, like I've got one on I was going to say, yeah. as I'm talking, he's like, yeah, let me tell them how you didn't do this. It, I remembered as I as you were talking. <laughs> I was not planning on sharing this. Because you wanted to Is say, it okay if I sh- shut up. We're about to have a crucial no. conversation no. right now. Yeah, do yeah. it. I love can it. Can I? Okay. Yes, for sure. So Amanda and I had, uh, we worked together a lot and we just had this situation that came up and the the way it played out, it didn't feel good. To, to me. So we're going to have to have a crucial conversation. Yeah. I hate these. Right. Yeah. So we're sitting down and I share, Hey, this happened and this was my perspective and I don't like it, but maybe you can like, I don't, I don't know how I said it. And I saw your face change and, uh, you went, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You said, you <laughs> said I'm sorry. in about 10 or 15 different vocal <laughs> inflections. And it was, it, it was as if you were just like, I just, let's, can we just get this over with? Like, come on, I'm sorry. Let's move on. Let's, let's. And then as we, we sat there for a little bit, I saw you soften and you, you did, you listened a little bit more and then it came around to you apologizing in a much more sincere way. But it was, it was really entertaining to see this whole process that started with just like, what do I need to say to make you feel okay, Nick? Because so, let's just move on. <laughs> Which I, I have that tendency for sure. But I would ask both of you, Matt, maybe you especially, because personality-wise function a little more like me. But in those moments of, hey, Nick walked away from that conversation and he's like, this doesn't feel good. I sometimes can walk away from that conversation that Nick and I had. I'm not even aware that the conversation didn't go well or that it wasn't good because I'm like, I'm good. It went great. Kind of like what you were saying. I think the conversation was good. So when Nick's coming to me with feedback, I'm like, I didn't even know there was feedback to be had. Yeah. What's the issue? So when I'm saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, really? You have an issue? Can we just, I'm sorry. Let's move on. Yep. And that's okay. And that's the core of the approach piece, right? The responsibility. Because that's not really loving Nick, right? No. It's like, let's just move on, Nick. Don't really care that you were feeling this way. I, so I'm, I'm guilty of the same thing. I'll, I'll use a, just, I won't tell a story, but with, with, you know, in my marriage with Vanessa, Vanessa came to a conclusion um, somewhere along the way that, um, that when she cries, I consider that to be weak. Mm. And the reason why, and I never said that, but the reason why she got there is because when we would have crucial conversations, she would start crying. Something would change in my tone, in my face. That was probably like, are you freaking kidding me? Mm-hmm. You're going to cry now. Mm-hmm. Right? It had that vibe. It was harsh. And so she started refusing having crucial conversations because she couldn't do it without crying. Mm-hmm. And I remember that came out in a counseling session once. And I was like, just unreal yeah. for me. And... Because that's what you, you're not trying to communicate that. No, no I'm but not. We don't but it does, but it's a pace thing because crying yes. takes time, <laughs> right? Like I do care about you. If I'm honest, I don't want to sit here for 20 minutes while you cry. And I remember when I, when we were doing some counseling and my counselor is like, bro, you better slow down. Mm. Not because you want a result, but you care about your wife. Mm. So you sit there. And I remember going, how long? He's like, as long as it takes. Yeah. And I, I remember th- I remember saying to him, sit where? He's like, sit there <laughs> in that moment. It that's a moment. So you just you just be there. Yeah, see, shut up. Right. Listen. Don't talk. Sit there. Just be there. You're, what you're saying to her, this is a safe place. Yeah. This is a safe place. And you'll sit here as long as you want. That's not natural for me. No. In those conversations. So that's why I go from a truth side. Ian, my response, there's a lot riding on that, especially for her. So Vanessa would say, I'm not going to engage with it. Because I could say, oh, no, yeah, I'll take feedback. I'll take feedback. It's fine. Dude, I did not receive feedback. Mm. I would be combative. It would be fast-paced. And I win. We're moving on. Mm-hmm. I just proved to you you were wrong in 30 seconds, <laughs> right? And so then what happens is they just stop coming. Right. Yeah. Why come talk to you? Now, that's bad for me because I don't get better. And I think when I came to that conclusion, it was very painful. It was very painful for me. Wow, I have lost access to information that I need, not because of her, 
because of me. Mm. That sucks. I need that information mm-hmm. because I don't know it. If I knew it, I'd, I, I hope I would self-correct myself. Um, and so whew, uh, that gets, it gets weighty real quick in those relationships, right? So again, it is. I'm so, I'm, we're, we are results-oriented, yeah. right? Even in the other, other spectrum, results or relationship, I'm more results. I'm, I'm truth and results. We're getting stuff done. So that's a, kind of another way to put that, yeah. uh, that spectrum relationship versus results yes grace versus truth kind of a thing and probably we could have conversations where in my mind this isn't about a relationship but it is in yours Mm -hmm. and i can't tell you so many times i'm coming back and going man when i said that that's not what i meant Mm -hmm. i i wasn't thinking this i'm walking away going we got stuff done and you're walking away thinking are we still friends Right. You know what I mean? Well, that's where we don't we don't have a clue. Right. I think the growth for me, Nick, going back to you and I's situation. Yeah. Right. By and the way, I share that story as saying you actually you did it. Like it was good. Like it took, I, it it took it, a second. It was kind of like we were <laughs> uh, picking on you, but yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it maybe it took three four minutes. But the moment for me is when I saw in you. Oh, he's actually hurt by this. Mm. Like, I got to stop and listen now because mm-hmm. this isn't going to be like it. You're fine. You're fine, Nick. It's good. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're yeah. fine. Let's move on. No, Nick's actually hurt. I need mm-hmm. to stop yeah. and listen. And and like Matt was saying, that's where you're like, okay, I got, I got to do better. If if I could sum it up, here's what I would say for crucial conversations. For people that lean more towards truth, your words should be gentle. For people that are from the gray side, I would say engage. And when you have people who are willing to engage and people that are willing to be gentle, I think you create this environment. You have good, good conversations. And I think that's the challenge. That's real good. Yeah. That's, okay. that's like $10,000 worth of counseling right there. <laughs> <laughs> worth every penny. Worth any penny. Drop the donation. We have a link <laughs> right under the podcast. So you gave a really practical application this past Sunday. Basically, hey, here's some homework. Yeah. It was a challenge to say. There's a phrase that I think you got from Andy Stanley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So the phrase is, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And I think um, crucial conversations are amazing. If you can get to a place in your life where you are asking for feedback, even better. Um, now, the people you're asking, it freaks them out, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're creating one, but hopefully in a hel- healthy way. But it's a way to say, hey, um, I want to hear from you. Right. Well, what what is it like mm-hmm. to be my kid, uh, my spouse, my coworker? Um, you give them the freedom. You're asking for it, man. Give me that last ten percent that you probably don't want to share, but I want you to share it. Now I'm on the hook when you respond, thousand percent. So if you're not ready to get receive feedback, you don't ask it. But to say, hey, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And I tell people. If, if someone's asking you that, give them a couple of good things. Take, take, take a grace approach. Man, I think you're awesome and this, this, and this. But if you're asking if there's, if there's something that maybe you could do better, there is this one thing. And that's the goal that you need to get. And it's out there. And if you would receive it and, and lead on it, man, you'd be so much better. But it's extremely risky when you ask. No kidding. Yeah. Right. Have you guys both done this? I've done it. And it's been... Yeah, it, it's been very, every time it's like, I know what they're going to say. And then it's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Because you're going to say you care too much, Matt. <laughs> you work too hard. Yeah. You're too handsome. The thing that they're going to share is probably a blind spot. Okay, so here's, here's we can get real here. Yeah. Would either of you guys be willing to share a blind spot that someone has shared with you? Uh, yeah. So about you. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'll share one. Okay. I think one of the ones that stand out, um, this is several years ago at another church that I worked at. We did this exercise, and I had two guys on the staff who I, I respect. I think they're great leaders. Asked them the question, you know, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And they said, um, you know, a lot of good things. And they both said this one thing. Go, hey, there is one thing that I want to share with you, that oftentimes when you talk about your kids, you talk about them in such a way that makes me, now I know you love them, but it makes me feel like it feels like they're just always in the way. Mm. They're always a nuisance. And I know you and I've been around you, but I, I wonder how many people hear you talk and they think he doesn't even like his kids. That's heavy. Real heavy. And dude, it broke me. 
Like what? Because I would, I mean, I'd give my You're life. Crazy about yeah, it. Yeah, I'd give my life for my girls. Are you kidding me? And um, and I was, you know, but, just, but, don't, most, but most likely you're. You're sharing. You're you're telling jokes. You're using right. humor about your kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but just, they're saying it doesn't come off the way you think it. That's is. right. It's not funny. Is what they're saying. And I remember walking away from those conversations and being so attentive then of what I was saying and how I was saying it. And I would even pick up and go, "That's what they're talking about right there." What I just did. I'm leveraging my girls in such a way that is funny from my perspective, but it wouldn't be funny for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't have a voice in it. And um, yeah, it was just really eye opening. I man, I rem- I can remember the conversation. I remember where I was sitting. I can see the person's face right across from me because it was so like what? I mean, I'm not expecting that at all. Yeah. And um, obviously, I want to be a dad who who my girls know I love them, and the people around me know that I care about them deeply. So yeah, it, it made was, you better. It did. It made sure, you better for sure. Yeah. Amanda, you have anything? Yeah, I have a funny. It's. I mean, it's kind of a what's it like to be on the other side of me, yeah. um, but probably, gosh, so I've, yes, I've been at Rocky forever, 21 years. I've did kids ministry for 18 years. So when I was doing kids ministry early on, kind of when I took over in a leadership role and you're getting volunteers and you're frantic and whatever, I think every Sunday morning I was so frantic and I was giving off this just vibe that things are crazy, things are frantic, things are mm. just not peaceful at all. And somebody finally pulled me aside and they're like, do you know what perception you're giving to not only your volunteers, the people that attend here, um, the staff that's here, it's like that the sky is falling all the time. Everything is an emergency. Everything is high stakes, high drama. And that was probably, that was a pivotal moment in my life of like, stop giving off that vibe. And it's like, this is what it's like to be around me every Sunday morning when I'm doing this. And so it was a big moment of change for me. I'm like, don't do that. And that took some guts for someone to tell you. Oh, yeah, to pull me aside and be yeah. like, this is, what it, this is what it looks like to watch you every Sunday morning. It's painful. Mm. Yep. And you're losing influence. Um, mm. Oof. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's there's, fun. there's mm. those moments for sure that you're like, that, that was, I remember. I can yeah. tell you where it was, who said it, and just how you think about it all the time. Then you're having a conversation and you're like, I'm doing it. I need to stop doing it. I'm doing what that person said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if they had never said that, you would have continued doing that and uh, you'd be worse off for it. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. be where I am yeah. for sure. And welcome yeah. to the story of David and Nathan. Yeah. yeah. That thing left unaddressed. Who knows where that goes? That's a good point. In the, in the life of David. How many more lives? Exactly. If he kept repeating this. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we don't think like that. You know, I'm thinking, is this friendship going to be able to withstand this difficulty? And really what we should be saying, what would happen if we never talked about it? Yeah. What's at stake? More than just this friendship, more than likely. And man, yeah, that's, it can be scary to think about sometimes. So I, you know, again, I'm so thankful for the people in my life. Again, right approach who've engaged with me. I mean, even you guys, Sean, people all over the place, even here, who have sat down with me and said, hey, can I tell you something? Is it okay? Can I share something with you that might be difficult to hear? Yeah, do it. And I'm better for that. Um, But you guys also care about me, love me, have a great approach. And again, when you have it, those those are crucial. Yeah, because have you ever been in that place where you you knew you should have said something? You didn't say something? Something happens, and you're like, if I would have had the conversation, that person would have been in a different place. We would be in a different place as an organization. So many times in our life, right? Our family, our, it's like, shoot, I knew, I knew to have the conversation, I didn't do it. Yeah. If, if you're going to lead, if you're going to lead in any organization, if you're going to have influence, I mean, you just, you know, when you talk about having yeah. influence, if you're going to be a leader and, you're, and you are unwilling to receive feedback, you're not going to be a good leader. You might as well just stop, and you're going to cause a lot of pain in the people around you. And you've got to be willing to receive feedback, and you got to figure out ways to get it. Create safe places for your people, all the way down to the person who's making the least amount of money. You, you need their feedback. I think you should care about you know, how they perceive you. And if there are things that you, should, you could do better, you should do it. Um, but you got to go get it. you got to get that feedback. And you empower people who you even oversee to say, 
I mean, you were talking about we. Someone mentioned kids here. Can you imagine just parents like asking your kid, "Give me some feedback." I mean, you who knows what yeah. you would get, but it creates such a good like. Hey, I love you. I want to be the best parent I can for you. So I love to hear from you. Mm. Is there anything? Mm. Am I parenting I could do better? And there might be things there that would break your heart, but better to break your heart then yeah. than 30 years down the road. Ooh, These are the things that we need. <laughs> yeah. And again, I just hit Nick. We, like, we live in this, mm-hmm. you know, bottom to top culture, right? I'm the parent. And my kids listen to me. You know, I'm the boss. My people listen to me. Oh, man, if you really love and care about your people, you should go hear from them what their experience is like around you. And if you could be better, you should want to. Right on. Mm. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah. the conversation. By the way, you guys are some of the best parents I know. Man, you don't know. Yes, I do know. I've seen you parent, <laughs> and you love your kids. So, yeah. I do love my kids. Yeah, you guys are the best. Hey, one takeaway. I need to make sure that when I joke about my kids, I'm not being mean. Yes. Yes. It yeah. Is, it is important. Or your it spouse. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hey, put a donation button. This was worth this was worth some money, this podcast. <laughs> but where do I put the donation button? Just put button? a button there. I'll link my Venmo to it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. There you go. Yeah. Cause this was good stuff. This that's, is a good reminder for me. Enough. Yeah. Right on. It's good. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, yeah. Nick. Well, contrary to what Matt said, we do not have a donation button here. But if you'd like to know more about our church, go to rocky.church slash this week. No matter when you're listening, we always have that updated with the most up-to-date information. We love you guys. Make sure you talk about this podcast, you review us, you subscribe, because that helps more people find our, our content. Hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time.